All right, and we're back here uh, for part two of the Modern Nerd, uh, talking about villains. Uh, once again, I'm with uh, Daniel Smirch here. Uh, Daniel, how's it going? Good, Timothy. Good to see you again. All right, I'm done with this really quick. Um, uh, it is late again. Uh, it's never... first time we ever called each other Daniel and Timothy. Yeah, that was weird. Never again. Um, okay, so... Um, we talked about a, a whole bunch of stuff the last time uh, for villains, and we're going to continue talking about it. Um, and I think we kind of landed... Uh, it's been so long, I can't remember what the last thing we talked about was. Um, so uh, I think it was either Regina George or the uh, Spider-Man villains. So let's just go... Uh, uh, speaking of Regina George, do you remember Tywin Lannister? Wait, you like like that? That was good. Sweet segue. Uh, uh, yeah, I remember Tywin Lannister because he was probably even though we talked about Joffrey and how much I despised him and how it was easy to hate him. Uh, I think Tywin Lannister was my favorite villain of the show. Personally, uh, he was just the most interesting to me. You know, you learned the more you learned about him and see how he handled things. God, what a great villain! Uh, great performance by the actor. Um, I don't know. I think I really... uh, he is one of the more... I don't know. He, he's interesting because he's he's not just a villain. Like, he really is a ruler. You know, he was king. Um, after He does not lack conviction. No, he does not. But he, yes. he, he, he was more meticulous. He had more uh, thought and planning and all of that than anybody, even more than Cersei. Because Cersei's was a little bit more on the surface. Like, you could kind of tell her motives. You knew what she was doing because she's just a fucking evil fucking person. But um, with Tywin, yes, he's evil, but he's so much more... He's, like, cold calculated. You know what I mean? Where, like, everything he does has a greater meaning has it, it, he's thinking five or six steps ahead now yes all of these things are probably horrible but um i think the fact that it, he's a little bit more well thought out and a little bit more um uh, whole as like a leader of this this family um he has a clear goal yeah it, uh, it, it made Cersei. him yeah it made him i think more evil i think he just he, his biggest thing was his arrogance he he underestimated everybody he thought everyone was below him, especially his son, who ended up uh, shooting him on the shitter. Which I and it was still one of my favorite deaths in that show was just him busting that door open and whoop, right in the gut. And I thought that was just so poetic. Uh, for I him don't think he like underestimated that. people, but he definitely thought himself above everyone. And I think just he just he was thinking not just like you said five or six steps ahead he was thinking five or six generations ahead from where he was he wanted his family to to be even though it was maybe the most powerful family in all of westeros he wanted his family to be even more powerful and be the powerful family for generations to come and that set a clear picture in his mind and i you could see hit that calculate into his decisions and even even some of the nicer decisions he made where he seemed less evil inherently was more evil because of his ultimate goal and yeah. uh, he was a very interesting he, he would, he would put people in power and help them to get a better game for himself yeah and the only real time that you saw someone like cersei do that was probably in the last season which was when, you know, they're coming at her with, like, you know, we got to fight the, the White Walkers. And so she 
quote-unquote agreed to, you know, help or whatever. That was, like, really the only time she attempted to do that, and it wasn't really well done, which I think was also because it's in the eighth season and everything is horrible. Um, so, you know, that's kind of how that one goes. But uh, speaking and staying on Game of Thrones, I want to talk about Jamie for a minute here. Um, <clears throat> Jamie almost had a Zuko arc. He almost had a full redemption arc. Almost. He, he, uh, but, like, uh, you know, and uh, this speaks, again, more to the writers uh, and showrunners of it, because they just fucked everything at the end, uh, and I don't really want to get into that. We can talk about that for another two hours uh, alone. Probably. But um, it, it was up until that moment where he's like, I'm going back to my sister. You're like, what the... F-? Like, it was good. He was really well done. He walked the line. You kind of liked Jamie half the show. Um, you thought he was, you know, charming. True. Um, he was a bit of a dick, but he kind of had a good head on his shoulders because he realized how evil his family was halfway through. So it, it, it was, he was done very well. And then, you know, they just were like juggling everything at the very end. And we're like, you know what, I'm going to stop juggling and just forget that I'm even writing a show. Um... But uh, I, I, I the like true villains of Game of Thrones, the the writers. Yeah, the true villains of Star Wars are the fans. But anyway, um, <laughs> indeed, indeed. Not, not uh. um, I also want to apologize. My air conditioning keeps kicking on, so sometimes you might get some shitty audio out of all of this. So yeah, we work with what we have. Okay, okay, good. Um, Texas air conditioning. What are you yeah, gonna do? Yeah. Uh, Texas. It was hot. Um, so, kind of, uh, kind of makes sense to talk about this guy next, and and we briefly talked about him earlier um, because he is. Uh, let's see if you can get this one. So, um, Tywin Lannister is kind of in charge of this family and, and in charge of making these moves and, and going through and, and setting up uh, for future generations. So is this next character, who I think is doing it not for more of a personal reason, depending. Well, I guess kind of was. Uh, Revelations of the latest, but um, it was more so making moves and, and, and to gain power and to bend things to his will, to his power uh, in Emperor Palpatine. Um, mm. Who, in my opinion, you get more of a sense uh, for Palpatine out of these nine movies than you do anybody else. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe R2-D2, but, you know, <laughs> but he's in... He's from the beginning to the end, to the very beginning. He was in all of them except for seven and eight. Which, yes, he was brought back in nine, and it kind of changed. I don't really count that. That was the retcon of the century, you know. I'm not going to get into it, but it did kind of change his motives for why he did half the stuff he did in one, two, three, and uh, four and five and six. But I think if you just do one, two, three, or one through six, uh, you've got he's a He's a formidable he's a great person. Fan. Yeah, he's a fantastic villain. He's someone who is, like, he is two. He's two people, and he's evil in both roles. And it's it's impressive that you can do two different things and have them be evil on different levels, but like still kind of the same. You know what I mean? He's um, he's in the Senate. Uh, and he is, uh, you know, uh, bending everything to his will, trying to uh, wipe out um, the Republic, essentially, and make it more of a uh, dictatorship and everything, an empire. 
and he does that with such a poise and such a well-spoken front as a diplomat that he's also the person he's talking about in half of this stuff in the Sith Lords. Uh, you know, he, he, it, it's impressive to be able to villainize yourself and know what you're doing, but still make it seem like you're being a good person. And it's a great interest. It's impressive. It's 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 great writing, which is weird to say because everybody hated the first three movies. But when you look at right. it from a political point of view, it's phenomenal writing. It's a, the writing was very good. Uh, I don't want to. What? Hello? Did we lose you? There is a poor network connection i mean can you i don't want to go too far down the you know the what if hole but can you imagine if the i mean if we hadn't seen episodes four five and six before episodes one two and three i mean just the whole dramatic reveal of you know if they hadn't revealed who was pulling the strings in episodes one two and three until the very moment where mace windu walks into palpatine's office and says you're under arrest and he goes it's treason then throws out the red lightsaber I think that would have been just as dramatic of a reveal as I am your father I don't know uh, who can say at this point but I think just to reveal that he was pulling strings both sides and uh, he was just such a great villain I'm really a big fan of Palpatine and the actor portraying him yeah and he portrayed him the whole time like the entire Right. series, which is wonderful and made it that much more uh, resonant, resonated that much more because it's the same person and not someone trying to intimidate them. Uh, um, not intimidate, imitate them. Right. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, so yeah, great. Just a good job doing that one. Um, okay, so let's kind of go uh, stick with this kind of grandiose kind of character. Uh, I'm going to go with um, Lord Voldemort. Okay. Um, so, uh, you kind of, I like him a lot. I mean, he's not the mm. strongest one necessarily, um, in my opinion, but I mean, he, he was really well fleshed out. You had, you know, like eight or nine movies to really kind of figure out this character and, and see what you're going to do with him. And, um, you know, getting his background um, uh, in a lot of these flashbacks and, and learning about who he was growing up in. in uh, as an orphan and everything like that, um, you kind of just start to see that he is more just evil. He, he's not along the lines of like Thanos or or Killmonger right. or, or Magneto. He's just he, it's all personal gain. Everything he does is just so he can have more power and become the most powerful wizard there is. It, it's I think not... that hurts him, in my opinion. I think that kind of hurts his character and makes him less interesting. Uh, you know. I, I, I love Ralph Ray Fiennes, uh trail of him. I thought that was really well done. But he, you know, he kind of figured out early that there. W I mean, he kind of he fit a kind of cookie cutter kind of villain role, and so Ray Fiennes portrayed him accordingly, and I think it worked. Uh, that being said, I don't. I had a hard time figuring out what he truly wanted. Uh, like you said, more power. Uh, to be the most powerful only gets you so far as a villain and especially when you're spread across seven very long stories uh, I guess I guess two or three of those he wasn't really a part of but it it's really I don't know I thought he was just okay I never really understood 
I mean, we learned a lot about him in the the final uh, couple books when it came to the the Horcruxes, um, and in the final book, you really learn a lot about him and and his his past. Uh, but guess not not as much in the movie, um, but you see where he came from and you meet his his family and. And you learn a little bit about him, but it still is just, he's just evil. He just wants to be powerful. I don't know. That, to me... I mean, I think it's power from, from, a, from a lack of it. Because growing up as an orphan, he, he had no control over anything. And, and True. wasn't able to kind of have that normal childhood that he wanted. So it kind of, like, warped him into that, I guess. It kind of, he kind of fell into that kind of role. So I guess you're kind of right. I mean, he's not the strongest one on this list, Um I'm going to go uh, in the same kind of guise as uh, not strongest on this list. I want to see what your opinion of Agent Smith is. What do you think about him as a villain? I think that's a great... I think he's a great villain. Uh, you know, he, obviously 2 and 3 changes things in the Matrix series, but in that first movie, just the... He, you, you, we learn a lot about him, even in small amounts. But you learn what drives the scene with him, uh, where he takes off his sunglasses and talks to Morpheus. Can I be honest with you? I want to get out of this place. I want to break free. You know what? He's it's the smell. I can taste your stink. I think that was revealed. I mean, it almost was a dare I say human side of him uh, well, he, you know. he took his he didn't just take his shades off he took his earpiece right. off he kind of disconnected from the world so it was more of like a wanting to be human to be more to not just have power but sure. to be more than a, a program controlled by you know other machines and everything so yeah you know I mean I, I he, agree he, with you he truly despised not just all these humans breaking into his, the Matrix, but the Matrix itself, and that drove him, and it gave him purpose, and I think he was uh, slightly shaky American accent aside, I think oh, that I, actually... I loved it, the way he spoke. Well, I was just going to say, that kind, of, that kind of helped his character, and it made him seem just like this not-quite-perfect program that was flawed, but yet very effective in his in his own way. I think he was a great villain. Better than Liam Neeson's American accent. <laughs> until someone's until someone pointed out that he was playing an American, I honestly in every movie didn't it, I didn't think he was playing an American. I thought he was playing someone who was British. Uh, but he's Scottish or, or whatever Irish. Right. So I was like, "Oh wait, that's an English accent anyway." Uh, or an American accent. What the fuck? Um, but I think, I, back to Agent Smith, I think that uh, two and three kind of make him a little more interesting to me. I think um, I sure. just actually just rewatched The Matrix like last month or something like that, um, and I think it's it, you know it, because he is he does manage to become part of the physical world that he gets this taste for it that he kind of it, it didn't really change him in the essence he still kept his core beliefs his core system he wanted uh you know no i kind of going to take that back because he yeah I was about it, to say. It, it became more that he wanted to like destroy neo who kind of was the anomaly who was going to re you know had the potential to reset everything and then he would have to play this character again in the uh, you know in the matrix because of the sure. choice that he could have made so i think it, it he also like owed his new uh, his new directive, his new purpose to Neo, uh, after you know he did the whatever you, the thing where he went uh, you know inside him, um, it 
it, it did give him new renewed purpose. Then after that, I guess I just had a hard time understanding what I mean. He wanted to burn it all down, I guess. Uh, I you know because he was didn't he wasn't a lot supposed to be a part of it anymore. Um, but I mean, like he owed thanks to Neo, but he, he also wanted to destroy him because it, it was a complicated role for him uh, as a villain. Was, I thought it was good. I mean, I, I, no, I mean, it, I, I liked it, but it's like he's like I, he's like I should thank you. You've given me no purpose, but also I want to destroy you because you have taken away what my my previous purpose. Even though he seemed like he liked his new purpose more, it was a little muddled. But he well, still I mean, was the whole a two or three are a little muddled. Else. But um... yeah, in that man, the guy who played uh, the guy who had to basically do an Agent Smith impersonation outside of the Matrix did such a good job oh, of fantastic. acting like him. That was one of the most underrated parts of the movie. He sounded just like him and acted just like him. Uh, kudos to that actor. If I couldn't see that it wasn't him, I would have been like, that's that's him. Like, that's yeah. the same person. Like, it was, it was, it was very good. Um, that was well done. Okay, now I think some of these... Um, There's one we haven't talked about that I really want to talk we're gonna about. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to steer us into uh, one of my favorite, uh, and you and I have have just said this so many times, um, from one of the best actors uh, that has ever been on screen who can play literally any role. I mean, he could have played a fucking tree. You know, he would have been amazing. Um, He is no longer with us, sadly. Uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's portrayal of Owen Davian in Mission Impossible 3. And I'm going to call this guy, um, I'm going to say that he's kind of like one of the more underrated uh, characters in a movie. I think it it 100% is due to uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's portrayal of him uh, and the level that he's able to just become these people that he plays. Uh, I I think it, it just, everything this guy does is so... Just so well thought out. Oh, so good. And it may just, for me, be the level of devotion to the character, but, like, he is willing to do anything that he sees will get him to his goal. Like, especially right at the end, when uh, not at the end, right in the middle, when he has um, um, Tom Cruise tied to a chair, a dental chair, I believe, uh, and then his his uh, wife, quote unquote, air quotes there, uh, mm-hmm. across from him, and he is threatening to shoot her, uh, to shoot her, to get the uh, rabbit's foot, and it just you can see he gets so into this speech, like I know you don't have it, I know you know where it is, where is it, and he just he it, most villains would count to ten or whatever the number is, and then sure. not do it, you know, like all these portrayals of these villains, you see, like there would be. There'd be something. It'd be either they'd be like, "Well, okay, you played my bluff, and blah blah blah. We'll try it a different way," or there'd be like, there'd be some outside interference, uh, interference that would stop them from getting to the point of ten. But they get to the point of ten, and just bah, that's yeah. it. Just he's no remorse. He's just staring him right in the face. Just you did this. I, like, I will say him, that just like you did this. I didn't do this. He's very good, man. I, I, I he's one of my favorites uh, in that movie because uh, almost at, at some point in almost every good villain uh, we portrayal that we've seen, they relish 
in being the bad guy. And they there's maybe like a grand like monologue, which I have a very love-hate relationship with monologuing from villains. I, I like them because you learn a lot about them and you get to really see them lay it all out in the line, but also sometimes it's often they often just reveal all of their plans and tell you what I was doing all along. I mean while the protagonist is figuring a way out of the current situation. There is maybe a little bit of monologuing from him, but he isn't relishing in being the bad guy and he's not getting caught up in being the villain quote unquote he is just doing what he wants to do and he is driven and there's no there's no bullshit about it he's just doing what he's doing and he's not like enjoying being evil or any of that there's just no nonsense and that to me is Something that's a little bit lost, I think, in uh, villain portrayals these days. I think if villains were just doing what they felt need to be done without, you know, being like, look at how awesome and evil I am. Like, I guess I guess less ego was involved with him, you might say. But there still was, but it, well, he wasn't dwelling on it. And I think that's one of my favorite parts about him in yeah, that movie. I, I agree. And... and, and... I just think, you know, in the way the character's portrayed, the, the guy is able to maintain cool. You know, the character yes. maintains cool in everything. Like, when he yes. when he knows that he has Ethan riled, the first, right when they capture him, uh, and he's trying to get information out of him, um, hmm. and he's holding him over that Bombay door, uh, yes. he, he's just, you know, Ethan is losing it. I mean, he's, he's like, right. where, where? he's screaming. I don't remember exact words or everything, but you can tell that there's a very emotional moment from Ethan Hunt and, uh, Owen, uh, Davian is just kind of like, yeah, keep yeah. screaming. He's like, I, yeah. yeah. Like, what, he was reacting point, to the like, physical part yeah. of being hanging out of an yeah. airplane, but that was it. And at one point he's like, he pulls him back up. And he sits him down, uh, you know, uh, and doesn't say him. He's like, that's right, Ethan. Like, he heard him say his name, which you're not yeah. supposed to know. And then he just, he showed just a little bit of his hand. Just a little bit. He's like, I know who you are. Like, I, all I need is one name, and I will. I, Games. I, yeah. And it was, oh, it's so good. I got It's very subtle. Like he he never loses his composure, and that is definitely something that you almost want to because you, you're we're so used to you know villains kind of like losing it and like saying how they really feel and we never truly get that from him which is a, a, a good thing but of course i would have liked to have seen just a little bit personally seeing what he would have done with that because philip seymour hoffman uh so, he is sorely missed so speaking of he is um so speaking of uh, able to keep their cool uh, i've got two in a row that i want to go over and i want to do one first and i'll save the other one because i think you want to talk about it more um yeah. first one i'm going to go with is hannibal lecter mm. um who no matter What's what the very I mean, the endearing is, villains the dude is incarcerated behind bars uh being you know pressed for information by um Jodie Foster to get more information about this character, about the uh, Wild Bill, and um, uh, and and he is just so like he knows already that he's going to tell her this information, but he's like, but I want something out of this, and that something isn't physical necessarily. He's like, I want to have this conversation with you. I want to get to know this person as a human being for the next couple of minutes, ask her a question for every question she asks me and, and they're good questions. And he learns a lot about these, these, these people. And, um, and just him being able to use all that information for everything he does with this character down the line. Like, it's just very, 
it's sinister because he's so calm and he knows what he's gonna like he's he fucking eats people like you he, he right. but he i don't know if he ever sees himself as evil you know he, well, he he's just being himself yeah it's an interesting role he he is neither the villain nor the antagonist of that story he is I don't know what role you would you would find have to take a, a film course. <laughs> yeah, I, he he's but it's not. I mean, he is truly evil. But in no way, in any point in the movie, do we despise him or want him to fail. We, in fact, I think as an audience, want to see him succeed. And the best part in the film, the best scene, is when he escapes. I think, uh, and you just realize he is completely escaped. Uh, he he is. He he definitely falls into the the you know the opposite of what I was talking about earlier about people you want to see fail. You we we he's endearing you know like uh, you love to see him on screen and then he's so endearing to the point of we well, we just like this character even though he literally eats people. Yeah, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. We, he is such a joy to watch on screen that he is just he's he's won us over, uh, which is interesting little to maybe a little bit more too revealing of us as, as, as an audience or or, or as you as a weirdo but oh, um yeah, fair enough but <laughs> come no, on i mean I, watch I, the, the serial killer documentaries come on we love them i i don't watch those i don't love those at all um really yeah oh, okay not at all um well all right i'm just like this guy's psycho <laughs> I, don't, me. I don't i know he's psycho i don't even know why he's psycho um hmm. but um he, it, you were, you. Were, it's funny because you mentioned he's not the antagonist. He's he's not the villain. But, but I mean, he kind, of, but he is at the same time. You know, it's weird. He, he, sure. It's like he's like a red herring. You know, he's there because you mm. know he's evil, uh, and you expect this this. You know, he does break out, and he, you know, he's, he's I'm having a friend for dinner. You know, like all that shit, mm. and it's like, oh, he fucking eats someone in the movie. Practically, it's just you know he's evil, but it's just not. It doesn't. You're right. It doesn't strike you the same way because there is this more immediate threat. You've got you know Wild Bill out there fucking filleting people and wearing their face, which is just almost creepier. You know, in sure. a sense. Uh, you know, especially with all the see him do more action. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, just his portrayal. I mean, it's it's wonderful. It's so. It's great because we get to just talk to the. Even though he's not the villain, he is a villain, and maybe in a different story. And we get to talk to him, and we get to learn about him, and that is a great. It's a great opportunity for a writer, and it's a great opportunity for a really good actor like Anthony Hopkins. And I, you know, I would, if I were to write a movie, I would have the first half of it be that be just learning about the villain mm-hmm. just like hearing it straight from his mouth and then maybe the second half be him putting his words to action i don't know it is yeah damn i had i had something but i don't remember it you got me okay. lost so uh if i remember it i'll come back to it um another person um who is uh more clearly the villain uh in, in this um reimagining of history type movie uh, is, is someone who's manages to keep his cool but have some levity to the situation um, I think he knows I think he knows what he's doing is evil uh, and I think he sees it 
from his point of view, is more of a necessary evil, though. Uh, something that needs to happen, uh, at least under the regime that he is sided with. Um, I am uh, uh, inferring to Hans Landa, Landa in Inglorious Bastards by Tarantino. Um, my all-time favorites. Yeah, uh, I, one of my favorite Tarantino movies. Um, mm. But I, he, he is so intelligent in these movies, uh, and the way um, Christoph Waltz portrays him is it, it when he when he kind of knows that he has like the wrong word, you know, when he's trying to figure out the how do you say it? what is it? You know, when he's talking about like the bingo, um, like just those little moments are like moments of humanity in his eyes in his you know he's he's not he doesn't have this character he he almost as as the character breaks character to reestablish his character like it's very interesting <laughs> to you know does that make any sense at all where yes, he's like absolutely. he's like i am this menacing person i am very articulate very well thought out i speak multiple languages wait there's a word i don't know i'm going to say it oh is that what it is let's make a quick joke oh that's funny cool now let's get back to being menacingly evil in a sense of like uh um superiority i think is what he holds over most people which was you know the whole reason that, that fucking war started um <clears throat> And I think you know, obviously, for me, it put at least put Christoph Waltz on the map. Um, oh yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't know who he, he was before that. Did you? I, I, no, I never know. heard of him. Yeah. He, he did yeah. unfortunately do Green Hornet after that, but you know, whatever. Ah, well, um, I don't remember that. No, don't don't remember it. It was terrible. <laughs> um, watched it not too long ago because I was like I want to watch a bad movie. I mean, it was a bad movie. Um, Good. But uh, no, but just throughout the whole. The whole movie, everybody he interacts with, it, it, it just he he's playing chess, and in every yeah. scene except for his last, he knows exactly mm. what's going to happen. He is yeah. in control of the board. Um, the only time where he's not is when he meets the you know at the end with the the, yeah. the wild card uh, of mm. um, I don't even remember Brad Pitt's name from the movie, <laughs> um, but. When he meets Brad Pitt's character, who has yeah. one of my favorite lines, where he's like, he's like, "That's treason. You can't do that. You know, you're gonna, you're, what is it? You're gonna get, um, you're gonna get in trouble. You're gonna get shot, or you know, something like that." And he's like, "No, I might get a talking to. I've had one of those before." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh my god!" You're like, "This is a guy who almost equally doesn't give a shit as much about his uh, actions because he's also." you know, doing what he believes is right, and in every other person on the planet's view is also right. Um, <laughs> you ever notice Brad Pitt is either playing the character of Brad Pitt or someone completely different? Like, <laughs> this well, yeah. is something I've noticed. Why else do you watch Brad Pitt? I mean, come on. Eh? Well, I know, but if he's either playing the Brad Pitt character, which is in most of his movies, all the Ocean movies, just kind of himself, or he's playing, like, the dude from Snatch, or he's playing, you know, the guy from Inglorious Bastards, or he's playing that stoner dude from uh, True Romance. <laughs> you know, which was written by like, Tarantino. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is funny. No, I, I just actually was, was talking about uh, how much I do love uh, Brad Pitt. Not to go... I am going on this tangent because I do love Brad Pitt. Here um, we go. But uh, we watched um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, um, which is one of the last few movies that I've seen that I actually enjoy. Um, what's her face? Angelina Jolie. Um, I thought she was good in it. I thought it was fun. Uh, but, like, you're... I mean, you're, you're, you're mostly right. You know, he is... 
kind of Brad Pitt. I mean, I've seen some of his interviews, and it's a, it's like a caricature of himself where he gets to play, you know. I think one of the more fun roles that I, I like to see him in those weird kind of fun kind of comedy roles. I think those are my favorite. Now, he's, he's don't get me wrong, he's, you know, great in, uh, um, I don't think the movie is great, but I think he was great in, like, Curious Case of Benjamin Button or sure. Assassination of Jesse Ford by the Coward or whatever his name was. Uh, by the coward, yeah. whatever. It's the longest title and it's too long. And then, um, <laughs> and there's that old school one where he plays like an angel or something, or an alien, something black. Oh well, he was playing the devil. The devil. I, see, I never actually yeah. watched it. Um, I watched uh, part of it. I watched part of it. Um, I mean, like, you saw the first scene of the, his, the scene of the, his actual characters. Or his original character's death yeah, is like one of the weirdest moments in like movie history. Just to see his body get tossed around, I was like, "This is a what? Is this a comedy?" We like... watched it in frame by frame, and it was hilarious. It <laughs> um, says a lot about me. That's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of my favorite things he's done is um, oh, "Burn After Reading" uh, by the yes, Cones, I where he's just that, like that. fun, quirky, like upbeat, like fitness guy, right. and you're like, this is so not a normal Brad Pitt role. Like, this is just he weird. He really and went it, into that. Yeah, and it was great. Obviously, Snatch is where I go to for Brad Pitt. Um, but I want to continue down this Brad Pitt uh, rabbit hole here and talk about Tyler Durden, which is both okay. Brad Pitt and Edward Norton. But well, Hold on. I'm not... I didn't get to talk about one of my favorite villains, really, in, in, <laughs> in Hans Lenda. I... He is... So back to the Glorious Bastards with, uh, you know, I, he, I was talking about how, um, and, you know, Mission Impossible 3, that that he didn't get to, that, uh, God, that, uh, well, now I'm drawing a blank. Uh, who's the villain of Mission Impossible 3 um, that we were talking about before? Anyway, he, uh, he didn't really i was saying he didn't really get to enjoy he didn't relish being the villain and and really kind of get caught up in that hans landa loved being the villain he loved being the bad guy and it was it showed in every little moment he he liked he liked drawing it back a little bit and reminding you there was a human being and then he liked bringing it all the way back forward into being like truly evil and not by and just in kind of talking in this nice German accent, he just kind of brought it back a little bit. And he really wasn't doing anything inherently evil, just using his words. But it just oozed evilness off the screen and the way it was directed. And you were just like, oh my god. He was yeah. so condescending. That opening, yes. that first scene you see him in where he, they're in France and uh, he's talking to the farm owner and, uh, and he's just interrogating them. He's just... He compliments the guy, like on his daughters and on the milk, but it's in the yeah. the most condescension, like condescending way ever. Where you're like, you kind of want to be like, yeah, fuck you too, buddy. You know, like <laughs> it, it just was, gosh, it, the the nuance of the, of what he did, and like so much of that to me, in my opinion, is obviously Tarantino because that's what he does. Is he's yeah. a character um, writer. He he writes for the characters. He writes for. The, for his words, you 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 go in. You want to be in his movies because of the dialogue you get to say is going to be very interesting and provocative. Um, for the most part, say what you will about the man himself, uh, but I think you know it was 
that movie alone is one of my favorite of his. Of all I mean, time. maybe it's because I hadn't seen him in anything before, and I, but there was just I don't think he has done he had done a villain justice up to that point or since, uh, in my opinion, for for Tarantino's movies. I think that is his best villain to date. Well, most of the old Tarantino movies don't have a particular villain. If you kind of look at it, you've got well, you've got Pulp Fiction where there's like. You've got yeah, um, yeah. what's his name, um, Bing Rhames' character, right, who I right. guess is yeah. kind of the villain. But like, it's just really? a, it's just a whole bunch of random scenarios happening all at once. You've got oh. Reservoir Dogs, who it's just this. You got a, a crew, uh, a, a heist that goes wrong, and I guess uh, Tim Roth's character is technically the villain if you're rooting for the bank robbers. I don't know, it's, but like they don't have cut cold, cold you know, like villains you know speaking of tyler durden to get back to that when now that i've been so rudely interrupted about hans landa landa i don't know how to say it um but no tyler durden i mean i feel because it's again one of those things where he's kind of is the villain but kind of isn't because he's the same person all at the same time he's his own inner villain Uh, because it's kind of more like your own, you're struggling, he, he wants to be this other person. He wants to to have, let go of all of these um, uh, uh, things, these ties that he has, because he doesn't like the person that he was. And so he couldn't do that on his own, so he created this character in, his, in himself, which then took over. So it was like a split personality, but he didn't like kind of what this guy was doing once he learned what he was doing. So it was kind of... It's kind of like him. He is his own worst enemy. Essentially, is what this one comes down to, in my opinion. Um, but I think it's one of the more interesting characters because, you know, who you think is Tyler Durden through the whole movie really isn't. It's someone else, sort of. It's it's right. the same person, which makes it more interesting every time I go back and rewatch it to see, you know, those glimpses of him realizing that he wasn't actually fighting anyone. He was fighting himself in the parking lot, or, you know, mm-hmm. instead of um, him, you know, instead of. Brad Pitt driving the car uh, as they careen off the road. It was just driving itself. You know, that kind of shit I think is very entertaining to see that. But um, I think it's, you know, Tyler Durden is worth talking about because um, he's a villain to normal society. Uh, now, being someone who's always been a fan of the counterculture and, you know, anti the big societal rules, I don't see him much as a particular villain because what he's doing is taking down all of the... Uh, um, the credit card companies, no debt, no credit for anybody, resets everything back to, to zero, which is kind of like a, a, a big thing. It's taken down, um, you know, the economy, uh, uh, capitalism, if you will, uh, which I think is not the worst thing to happen. But, um, you know, some shit happens along the way where you find out he's not the greatest person necessarily. So villain, maybe not. Antagonist to Edward Norton at a point? Sure. sure. Um you know, uh, uh, it's it's weird it, it, because he's it's one of those things where the character kind of walks a line again between good and evil, uh, but he is one but two people. I don't know. It's weird. What what do you think? Where do you? What do you That's think a tough one for me. I don't know. I don't know if I have a lot to input on this. It's uh, you know the first watch through. You're you just kind of think that Edward Norton and Tyler Durden are having disagreements. And there isn't really a bad guy, uh, and then realize at the end that the same person, and he has been kind of working against him, and that he is in fact the antagonist uh, of Edward Norton's story, nameless character, whatever. Um, 
That's a hard one. I uh, I do, it, you know, obviously the reveal is great, um, and, and then he's fighting himself. Uh, you know, the ending I don't really care for. Um, but part? Well, the part where he, I mean, he sh- where he just kind of shoots out of the side of his mouth, and then that killed Edward Norton's character. I'm like, uh, okay. You mean uh, character? Right. Sorry. Yes. The yes. Um, I was it's kind of. Like, well, I, I, right. I look at it as like a Hulk situation where uh, that that line where um, Mark Ruffalo is all like, "Well, you trying to kill uh, the Hulk? You can't, because I tried." It's like I, you know, he's like, "I put a bullet well, in except- my mouth and." The other guy spit it out, and it's kind of the same. Except he did, though, and he lived, and that just makes. I think it, honestly, I think it would have been a better ending if he had just killed himself. <laughs> Personally, yeah. I know that wouldn't have been as fun, but like, I wonder what the book's ending was because it was originally a book, and I would yeah. be fascinated. I I bet you it was something a little darker. Um, I don't know. I'll I have to check it out because I like I've read some it, of his other work, and it's fucked up. His work, some of this shit is weird. Right, it's a great movie, and it's, the reveal is still to this day one of my favorites. Um, I don't know. I'll have yeah. to pass then. All right. Um, okay, so I've got a few more on this list. I'm going to give one that I think we can both kind of glance over but still have uh, a share an opinion on. Um, her name is Mrs. Carmody from mm. a movie called The Mist, and I know you've seen it. We've talked about this briefly. Uh, to anyone who hasn't seen the movie... I am of two worlds on this. I both recommend it and don't. I think the movie as a whole is pretty bad. I think the um, ending solidifies the movie. Uh, it really kind of sets it apart because it is one of the most just heart-wrenching like twists uh, in a movie. I was like, fuck, that's just fucked. That's mean. During why why it, would you do that to someone? Yeah, But it, in hindsight, that is truly one of is a great ending and not that not that this is an endorsement because stephen king notoriously dislikes the movie portrayals of his books uh and this this movie changed the ending of his original story but stephen king loved it he he loved the changed ending of this movie uh i don't know if that's a good thing or not because he's disagrees with the mass public but uh i think that's fascinating and i love the ending personally uh in hindsight uh yeah. during it you're kind of like holy crap so to, um, to reiterate before we go on the character again her name is mrs carmody she's played by uh marcia gay harden hardy uh phenomenal actress and uh, she right, really, right really, job. really digs into this role she plays a um a woman uh of i'm gonna go with christian catholic Sure. One of these big religious. religious character. Um, it would seem like it would be a Christian thing, but that's a whole other conversation. Sure. Um, she, uh, I guess the, the basis of this movie, for anyone who hasn't seen it, is these people kind of um, are having a really bad day, and they all get stuck in a grocery store, and then there's this mist that kind of comes over uh, the town uh, and surrounding area, and it turns out there's something in the mist. Um <laughs> The reason I do it like that, <laughs> well, but that's no. You see that in the in, know, the, in the trailer. Um, now, I will I will say because I'm not a huge fan of the whole payoff of this movie, which is supposed to be what what caused this was the most glanced over thing I've ever seen in cinema history. Like it's the no. most just like oh yeah that happened okay bye. But anyway, this character she 
uh, decides that this is um, the act of a vengeful God, you know, uh, God, the God, the one God, if you are into that thing. Um, and so she decides that, uh, you know, in order to get out of this, that uh, they need to start sacrificing uh, the children, yeah. children, the the fucking children, um, yeah. in order to, uh, um, you know, quell Peace. the angry God, appease the gods, uh, or singular God, whatever it may be. And she, but the conviction this woman has, she's basically like a Karen, you know, like she's just, <laughs> she, she is. I mean, to, to, it, it, it's just a person where everything they say, you're like, you're just so singular-minded. You're so singular-focused that, like, only one thing can be right. But it's not, oh, just, she just... Everything she does in this movie just makes me so angry. And it wasn't until just... I saw Dolores Umbridge that I re-felt that same anger. Mm. Where I was just like, Ooh, everything you're doing, you're so closed-minded. You're such a horrible human being, and I don't want to know you. I hope you die. So it just becomes... Yeah. It just, but the way they did her uh, in the movie, I right. mean, it was it, it it evoked that emotion to this point where I saw the movie like eight years ago, and I still feel <laughs> just want to fucking slap this woman in the face. A very narrow visioned, uh, driven uh, villain, and who doesn't see themselves as the villain at all, sees himself as doing good, even though they're pure evil, is a great, yeah held strong feelings for her uh and I, it's hard to say i mean maybe i was muddled i'm i'm already not a very religious guy and even more so people ju- uh, using religion to justify their evil and hateful acts even more so so all of those were pressing my my buttons yeah, and everybody. the fact that she was doing a great performance as well in uh trying to justify her really inherently evil actions as good just made me you know cleanse my fists uh, cue cue the arthur meme um i uh yeah she did a great job yeah. and i still think of her as uh you know that's a great example of an otherwise kind of mediocre movie she elevated it to a pretty good movie because of yeah. a really good uh and evil villain antagonist yeah and i was there for thomas jane because i love thomas jane i mean he's fucking he's my punisher well yeah i like what's what what where did that come from thomas jane's in the movie he's the lead Oh, God, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good movie. Um, although, apparently, oh, it resonated with me pretty hard. Um, yeah. But, like, the oh, just that fucking payoff. All right, so I'm yeah. going to do this because I want to talk about it for a second. It's the same movie. Spoilers. I, if you don't, if you want to watch this movie, stop listening, fast forward, give me about two minutes, and I'll, you can you can skip that, and then you'll miss this spoiler. Okay, so there's, this, there's something in the mist, essentially, is the tagline of this movie. They spend... A good 45 minutes of this movie just making you like, what is it? Where do these things come from? What are these creatures? There's clearly like weird alien type creatures um, in this mist. And then you get these like, what is it? A couple of uh, soldiers end up finding their way into the place. Does that sound about right? They get into the supermarket. It's been a long time. Something like that. They talk to a soldier and essentially, maybe it's at the end, but it's just like, they're like, oh yeah. The, that base up the way uh, was doing some experiments and accidentally ripped a hole in the space-time continuum. And there was <laughs> there was no response from anybody on screen 
they were just like, sounds about right, and then continued about their fun. And I'm like, I'm like, that's bullshit. Like, how did they do this? That's a more interesting story. How did this thing get ripped? What were they doing? What was, sure. tell me this story, you know, like, oh my God. And then there's like, yeah, cool, cool. Let's, let's, let's go out there. Um, and then final spoilers. No. So if you're still listening, um, I'm going to do it. I have to talk about this ending. Okay. All right. So it's fine. They, they, um, the, there's four of them, five of them, four of them, whatever it is. There's an X amount of people, and they decide that they are going to, uh, they're like, fuck it, we have to weather this storm. And, and they're getting into this um, uh, supermarket. So we get in the car, there's uh, Thomas Jane, his kid, and I want to say two other people. And they're driving, and they're getting as far as they possibly can, and they run out of gas. And they know that this, uh, the car is weaker than the store, and they're going to get in. So they're going to fucking get murdered. So what Thomas Jane does is mercy killings. And there's only three bullets instead of four they needed four and then they had three or they needed five and they had four whatever it was so he shoots everyone in the car including his son and then gets out of the car for the aliens or whatever they are to kill him because he was going to do like it's like a murder suicide without the extra bullet but then as soon as he gets out of the car and is accepting his fate the fog starts to lift and in rolls the fucking army and the fucking movie ends and he stays alive. Like, what the fuck, man? Who does that? Who writes it's that? Up. That's the most fucked up thing to do to a human being. Oh, my God. Uh, but it was so good. Like, the way they did it. Oh, sweet like, irony. Oh, my God. You're like, no. Yeah. Like, I hated this movie until right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's it's something, you know, not explaining things that you were talking about before, about how, why these things happen in movies. And that is something writers love to do they yeah. want to keep you in the moment and with the characters and not get too caught up in the why did this happen and and that kills me i want to know tell me what happens yeah. why did this happen it's, you know it's worth what, it. what are you gonna that's do that's why television yeah. is is the more sought out attractive thing for actors because it gives them the chance to really dive into these things um and so you know it's I find myself watching more tv but i still love movies because of the yeah. budget that they get um okay um Let's let's see how can I wind this down. We've got five people left on my little list. Um, okay. I want to talk about Nurse Ratchet from okay. um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, the original Evil Lady. Yes, um, and just that movie alone is superb. Um, Jack Nicholson uh, at his finest, uh, in one of my opinions. It truly breaks my heart that the author hated it of the original of the original book. Oh, fuck, fuck them! <laughs> I don't know. True enough. Uh, you know, that's very indicative of, or I'm sorry, very typical of authors. But uh, yeah, I, it was a good movie, and she was the the most just about as subtle as you can get. Uh, as a villain or antagonist, uh, never loses her cool, or does she? I, I don't. I don't. I don't um, think so. I don't think so. I mean, she's the kind of person that if you have ever had to put a parent into a um, facility, a home, not just like a mental institution, but like a, a nursing facility, like those are the type of people you hear about in the news that like have been abusing people forever, and so you always kind of it, it, it hits. You know, when it happened, I hadn't experienced anything like that, but it's just like it hits. 
I'm sure it hit close to home for so many people who had to deal with, like, shitty nurses. And, look, nurses are great. Nurses are the backbone of the medical society and uh, deserve all the credit in the world, especially today during all this crazy-ass pandemic. But, like, there are people out there who will treat people like that, who are nurses and who take advantage of, of their position. Uh, and in this particular case, it's just a more extreme to the point where, you know, it's... You're right, though. It is nuanced. It is very, like, she's very cool, very collected the whole mm-hmm. time. I don't recall. I, I haven't watched it in a long time, but I don't oh, recall wow. a point where she, like, lost her cool. Maybe, like, yells just to, like, get their attention. But, I mean, sure. you're in a mental institution. I'm sure that has to happen a couple of times. But just yeah. just a fucked up woman. And just... Really great job by the actress. A very subtle and, and yet one of the most evil and despised villains of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, 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 her, her desire for control. I mean, well, she has control, so it's not it's not a desire for well, control. It's a, it's maintaining the power and her, and her relishing in it, so to speak. But she's losing <laughs> control because Nicholson's character, who I can't remember his name, starts to gain the control, take the control away from her by rallying all the patients <laughs> around him instead of her. So she really has it out for him because they're the two like power uh, symbols in this place and they're they're going at it and, and it just iconic i need to watch that movie again i'm learning something about myself the most the villains i've hated the most are mostly women and children i don't know if that says about me <laughs> i'm not gonna touch that one um uh, but, uh, well i mean okay no i will i want to talk about it for a second i think okay um I don't know. Maybe I won't. I don't know. I had something to say. Uh, we, when we were talking about doing this podcast, I, I discussed it with my girlfriend, and she had a really good point, and I can't remember it, and she's going to kill me for forgetting it. Um, but I was saying something along the lines of, like, I, I feel like it's either because... It depends on who's writing it. You know, if a male is writing an evil woman, mm-hmm. I think the, the reasoning behind why this person is evil, um, it may not be as true, but I think, like... You know, maybe shitty men write really awful women. I don't fucking know. You know, something like that. But I don't know. The ones that I can think of that I really felt something for, uh, like, felt like they resonated with me, the women who are villains. And I guess if you're right, you know, it's Nurse Ratchet, it's that woman from The Mist, it's Loris Umbridge. Loris Umbridge. Cersei Lannister. Like, they resonate more uh, with me, I think, um... I don't know why, and one of the ones in a minute I want to talk about is also a woman. Um, but uh, I mean, I just I personally think I think they're more well written. I think that they're given a Dude. little bit more more background, uh, or, or a little bit more. Maybe it's the actress themselves is bringing that subtlety, that that nuance, that little bit of extra uh, that a, that a male otherwise wouldn't be able to do. Because um, I think yeah. you know t- when it comes to like certain art forms, women are more graceful. Actually, most art forms women are more graceful, sure. in my opinion. Um, yeah, you could say that men in general just aren't as calculated and don't think things through as much, That and that in general will make for a less interesting villain than a woman yeah. who has to be much more calculating. And that is much more interesting uh, it is. for an antagonist role. Yeah. Now, you get the you know the Owen Davians from Mission Impossible, who's like the exception to the rule. It's a little more calculating, sure. but, but still. Sure. Um, so speaking of... Um, uh, uh, writer not uh, the writer of the book not like in the movie. I want to talk about Jack Torrance, one of the most, uh, in my opinion, iconic men 
villains. One of the most iconic villains for me personally. Um, and I would like to point out that uh, obviously I'm talking about The Shining, but I took you to go see this movie for the first time. Mm-hmm. You'd never seen it before, and it was uh, not mm-hmm. Halloween, but October of some, I want to say 2015 probably. Um, sure. And it was in theaters, and I took you to see it, and I am jealous because my first viewing was at home. I would have done sure. anything to be able to see this movie in the big screen because it was, uh, well, for the first time, it was my. it still is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, but if you want to talk about getting to know a character or seeing a character unravel before your eyes so thoroughly, you know, every sure. step is something that starts to just unravel in this guy's mind. And, and, and you can see in his eyes throughout the, uh, throughout the movie. And I don't think anyone but Jack uh, Nicholson would have been able to do this. Um, granted, you know, there's a whole lot of history behind this movie about the making of it and, um, Oh, yeah, um, Stanley Kubrick's methods, and you know what? What? Um, what's her name? Um, had to go through during the filming. Olive oil. Yeah, damn it! What's her name? <laughs> I'm, I just said it the other day. I'm real bad with this shit. Um, but uh, you know, but I mean, what you get in the end is one of the most iconic films of all time, in my opinion. And and this character, just his fall from grace, because he was, you know, he was a. Um, struggling writer I guess or struggling in his career and he, and he was given this opportunity to go um, take over and, and, and watch over this uh, um, hotel in the off season uh, so that it would you know be maintained and everything and he just loses it he just he just oh my god uh, the ability for someone to unwind so much in two hours and, and to see like a, a, a psyche just break down and then be rebuilt as something different is just it, it, it's incredible uh, a cr- incredible performance uh, the writing on the movie was in my opinion phenomenal I never read the book I'm not going to talk about the book I'm here to talk about the movie um, it, it, it's just I, I've seen I've seen some making of this so I'm going to talk more a little bit about that than just the character but like there, the scene where he's about to um, crack into the uh, the door with the axe, the iconic moment. Um, two fun facts. One, uh, Jack Nicholson was uh, um, a volunteer firefighter. So the first door was a prop door, one swing. The whole He just went right through the fucking thing. So they had to make, uh, they did like two or three of those doors and realized that that just wasn't going to happen. Um, so they reinforced it a little bit and it was still too easy. They had to bring in a, just a real fucking door, like a legit thick outside door not a door you would find on the inside of a building because those are all kind of hollow um but like a a a reinforced thick door and that's what he had to do but like you see him i've seen the clip of him getting ready for it and he's like jumping he's like he's he's got these mannerisms on his face he's "Ah," and he's just getting in the moment and he's kind of losing it and like the the level of commitment that this guy has to play to be this person who is like trying to kill his own family like that's a fucked up thing to do and a fucked up mindset to have to be in to then go do that and then be like everything's cool i'm not going to murder you like it's it shows a lot of dedication from nicholson who's you know one of the greats but uh just it was that character is twisted and so well done and i don't think speaking to like you know back to your point where it was Someone who like relishes in being evil or knows he's being evil. I don't think he knows what the fuck is going on at this exactly. point. Which is a whole well, different me, level right. of something. He, he's not to me he's not, you know, evil. 
I, this is just the protagonist uh, driven to madness uh, in, in my mind. I don't know if you could definitively say if there was an antagonist in this movie. You could say it was him at the end of the movie, but he is the protagonist. Uh, so I don't know. That's an interesting... I, would, I wouldn't say he's the interesting, protagonist. Uh, I'd say Danny's the protagonist. Oh? Son? Danny, yeah. Danny's the main character more so than, than, mm. than Jack, I would say. Oh, interesting. Oh, fair enough. But, I don't know. Yeah, I've seen it one time to your... I don't even know how many times you've seen that's it. That's true. You, won't, you don't have as much to say as I do, apparently. I <laughs> yeah, forgot sorry. about that. Um, all right, let's see if I can land on something you have seen a little bit more. Uh, it's, sure. Uh, Warden Norton from Shawshank. Ah! Uh, he was good, man. So, uh, why don't you start this one off? Let me see. Let me hear you. Okay. Go. I mean, it, so I, I have had the privilege of not just seeing the movie and it being one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, but I also read the novella, um, which yes, which it, it's interesting. Um, the novella is, uh, you know, 150 some pages, you know, really short. And one of the few instances where I think most people would agree that where the movie is better than the book. Um, and that's not to say it was, there are just there are some of the biggest moments, the biggest landing moments of the movie are just not in the book. Um, spoiler alerts are ahead. Uh, the the gentleman who's the kind of the kind of super smooth guy who could testify for Andy's uh, release gets assassinated Elvis in the movie. 2.0. Yeah, there you go. Uh, gets in the book, just gets transferred, um, oh. and in. Again, at the very the the biggest the climax of the movie, where Warden Norton, spoilers, uh, shoots himself at the end of Shawshank. Again, in the novella, just transferred. Really? Wow. But, yeah. That's uh, more. See, that's so, more likely to happen in real life because our true. fucking system is fucked. But go on. But 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 the whole lead up to that, the whole. The whole thing of, you know, he's just kind of seems like he's an evil warden, but you realize he's embezzling money with the help of, uh, with the help of Mr. Dufresne. <laughs> My friend uh, is is a is a really great. Uh, I mean, is a it's a it's a great exclamation point to uh, an amazing and the best narrated movie of all time. Oh, Thank all you, time. Morgan Freeman. Um, it's uh he it's it's a great you know you don't really i mean i think my in my initial viewing of the movie i think i felt a little more hatred for the uh the guard boggs yeah except you know he he mean you know two things never happened again and he was never bothered and boggs never walked again mm-hmm. and you never so you so when that happens you're like oh well, okay uh but the you know the warden is you know a little more subtle um, but he is—he does a great job, and you are—you feel very good when, and when Mr. Dufresne outsmarts him and crawls through the hole. It's—it's a—it's a very iconic. Everything about that movie is, is so great, and he was—I think he was just the right amount of evil. I think any more, or any less, and it would have kind of muddled what I think is an otherwise almost perfect movie uh you make him too evil and it's kind of 
goofy. Maybe, oh yeah, unrealistic. Yeah. You know, uh, and you know, you don't make him evil enough. You don't have enough to root against. So I think that was he fit the movie like a glove, which. Uh, which, I don't know, which sometimes you can't really say. If a villain is too good, you almost don't feel like they fit the movie. But he fit the movie. Yeah. Um, and, and it's... So we'll backward. To your point, I, I, I agree with you almost 100%, because, uh, which, you know, this whole conversation, I just want to point this out, this has been weird. We agree on, like, 90% of these villains and characters, <laughs> and we almost never agree on half of this shit, <laughs> which is weird. But, um, but to your know. point, he... You're right, Boggs was the immediate threat. The guards were the immediate threat until, you know, halfway through the movie. But um, but the the warden was like the overall presence. You know, he wasn't the on-screen. He, he was the one pulling the strings and making it all evil and allowing evil to happen. What's the thing? He's not even a good man, but that phrase where it's like, true evil is not, uh, you know, a, a good man doing bad things. It's a good man uh, doing nothing in the face of evil or something like that. I'm butchering it sure. like crazy, but... You know, he, he kind of just allowed a lot of this shit to happen, almost encouraged some of it. Um, but he, he, I think he resonates more with people because this is something or someone that exists. I'm not even saying could exist. This, this I guarantee you this person exists. This type of character is real in, Certainly. in this world, which makes it Ever that since much privatized more... privatized prisons, yeah. they can pretty much do whatever they want. Yeah, so. and, and it makes it that much scarier. It's it, it, it's not that it's like this overly evil. I mean, it is evil, but it's it's scary because it's real, and and it hits home for a lot of people. Um, but he played it so well, just so perfectly well. I mean, everybody in that movie um, nailed everything. So I, I think um, that's what kind of hits it for me is because he played it as a human character, as a normal person, and it wasn't. You're right. It wasn't this this um, characterized version of a, of a warden, it was, you, you're very, that's terrifying that you're that, you know, okay doing and saying some of these things you're doing on screen. It's fucked up. Um, and I think with to note when he kills himself, it, it, it speaks to him knowing that what he's done is evil, is wrong, yes. is bad. That he's like, well, fuck, I'm gonna, and that's it. That's right. the end of that one. Not so, necessarily relishing in the evil of it, but relishing in uh, the acts that that well not not, not necessarily he's, even that just he's more so he's, relishing he, in what he's getting what he's gaining yes, you yes know, exactly in, in you know he's embellishing all his money he's living large to where he shouldn't be. um all right i have one if we ever do a top five or top ten movies we will for sure come back to the shawshank redemption <laughs> shawshank and the shining for me is crazy um you know what i, I want to back up real quick so speaking of uh, the shining mm. uh so that was um no i'm sorry Wow, we've done a lot of Stephen King, haven't we, right there? Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. Shawshank Redemption is Stephen King, um, and it was uh, adapted to screen uh, and screenplay by Frank Darabont, who mm. uh, also adapted Stephen King uh, to the screen and screenplay uh, and directed The Mist. Which is why <laughs> I was like, oh, Frank Darabont and Stephen King are back. Like I want to see this movie. No, mm. no, it didn't, uh, didn't uh, play, didn't play well. as well. The ending, and I can see, I like how he changes Stephen King, apparently. <laughs> Stephen King doesn't, but, uh, in all of them, but, um, no, Stephen King does, I don't know, I, I thought it was, anyway. Um, one more. What dark endings. Yeah, right. Uh, well, no, but this one, Shawshank was a happy ending. Sorry, no, I, what I was going to say was, uh, this, 
there's four stories in that novella, and the Shawshank Redemption is called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. The second one is called Apt Pupil. Uh, I don't know if you ever... There was a movie, and Ian McKellen is in it. Um, and oh, it's it called Apt Pupil? Yes. Uh, it's it. and he it's um uh, without getting too into it he's it's revealed he was a former Nazi uh, c- commander and he starts murdering people with the help of this kid to uh, keep his secret alive and in the process the kid becomes super evil uh, and of course the movie version is much lighter but man that it has it has one of the darkest endings to a story um I don't. Uh, he the kid just goes full on Grand Theft Auto at the end, uh, oh, and it's yeah, that's never good. It is, no, um, and I was like just sitting there reading it at the end, like oh my god, like going from Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, which was more or less kind of a, like lighthearted by comparison to this, with one of the darkest endings in the story I've ever read. It was like this Stephen King guy is really. <laughs> <laughs> Is he? I bet he's done a couple of good things. I want to read more of his shit. Um, oh, man. Okay, I have one more before we get into a, more of a... Uh, well, whatever, I have one more. Um, uh, the character's name is Amy Dune from Gone Girl. Oh, right. So... It's mm. um, good. Yeah, so this is, again, one of those, like, super twisted ones. Just, like, really... I, and I don't even know if I would say relishing in being evil, um, no. but more, I, I don't even know, you know, because like... But she wonders what she really wants, honestly. It's it's just one of those things where it was just, it, it was, at least in the movie, I never read the book, that it was just so profound. So, not even profound, that's the wrong word. It was just twisted, so twisted that she would go through all of this to then come back and be like, everything's cool. Like you just put someone through all of this because what they're cheating. Like why, she, what's the motive? Like I mean, her motivation was to, was to torture her, her husband and her plans fell apart. And so she just kind of gave up and thought, I, I don't know. It, the, but that's, that's almost that's a, more torturesome to come back and then sure. have your husband agree to stay with you you and be like you don't want like you have to stay with me now and he's like well fuck i do <laughs> like she's emotional not you know maybe the first the first part of her plan was very calculated but it fell apart quickly and then she kind of just was just acting impulsively uh and what a what a strange ending to a movie uh you know i mean unsatisfying but yet in hindsight i it's a, a unique ending to a movie so i do respect I, that i was i was satisfied because it was so messed up yeah yeah it pretty much <laughs> yeah. like yeah. you don't like i don't you, you don't get a lot of movies or or stories even where you get something that is so different it's good you know a lot of the times like we've had this discussion about video games let me let me do that for a second where we always want like they're all predictable you know you get all these endings and 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 we want something different we just like all these stories are being regurgitated with different characters and slightly different motives but it's the same template and everything but 
you know, we we finally got a game that did something different that both you and I were were very anticip- like highly anticipating this game in Far Cry Five, and we were both like, oh, this is uh, this looks gorgeous. Like the game looks cool. I'm excited. You know, it had a couple of different things from four to five and the mechanics and all that stuff. I loved it. But then like you get this story. And in most video games, you're the protagonist. You're going through the whole thing, and you're trying to take down some evil guy. Talk about evil. I, in my opinion, sure. I would go with uh, uh, Joseph Seed as well, if this were a movie. But, um, again, religious character. Is that weird? Does that Just say something about us? Does it, do, no, does, I, does I don't think so. Does the audience know I mean, that we are not very religious people anymore? No, um, well, I mean, I, I would dare say that even if someone was religious, they would be just as upset, if not more upset, about someone using a god to justify their horrible and awful actions. Uh, yeah, but that's what I would think. Depends. Um, anyway, but like <laughs> you get this think. story, and spoilers if you want to play Far Cry Five, um, that you get the story where it turns out that the villain you've been fighting this whole time is was right. He basically won. <laughs> He basically was like, oh, the, if you listen to this, the radio in the car that you're driving, you hear about all this nuclear war that's going to happen and tensions in, in, in all the different countries and everything. But, like, this guy was preparing these people for this uh, situation where, essentially, you're given a choice at the end of the game where you can fight him or you can uh, join him. Whereas, no matter what you do, you basically end up with him. And it's just, when we, as consumers, as as as, as people listening to the story, playing the story, being in the story, we want a, a certain amount of unpredictability, but at the same time, we are also set in our ways where the predictable ending is the happy ending, and the ending we actually really are going to get ourselves more excited about, because we did not get the ending we wanted. They did yeah. They did the story where the villain won, essentially, yeah. and we hated it. You know the story. <laughs> I, I was just like, "What the? Fu-? I love the game because of the gameplay. Yeah. Uh, you know, aspects of the basis. Let's not get into it. But um, yeah. it just was like it, it seems very unsatisfying because you're like, oh, I did yeah. all of this.' For well, my. it's like you well, know, it's different because instead of watching it, we are in it, and like, as the go through being the protagonist, we want to be victorious as opposed to having a... It's funny, you and I always complain about, uh, you know, predictability in video games, and we finally got something a little different, and we're just like, oh, come on, let me let me, let yeah. me shoot the guy. Wait, well, let me be predictable, though. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... I mean, it's... Uh, I respect it in hindsight, but uh, yeah, I wanted unsatisfied. And then, you know, they continued the story in the next game, and it still wasn't was, really what you I wanted. Was more, and... I was more satisfied with New Dawn and the story and everything. But sure. uh, but this is sort of like my equivalent, uh, a movie equivalent of going through the whole movie and then finding out it was all a dream. And you're like, <laughs> well, you're like, well, but then nothing happened. It was all just a waste of my time. <laughs> like, I don't... Fuck you guys. You know, so, but, That's funny. Uh, but anyway. Well, um, one day you'll finish the latest God of War game, and we'll talk about that, because yeah, I got, that's... I got, I got there's a... Alright, hold on. I know. Okay, well, I'm just, I was just going to say that that's, a, that's an example of a game where the antagonist... That's you know, the man. Not a word. I, I really have all done right, an right, amazing right. job of not getting any spoilers for this game. And I don't know how because it's been out for a couple of years now. But anyway, yeah. and I've watched. Finish that one day. I we'll talk about it. From play it. So anyway, um, okay. So this all being said, uh, we've talked about a lot of villains here uh, and a lot of on-screen portrayals of these people. Some of these uh, characters have um, 
paper backgrounds, they come from books, they come from comics. Some of them are created for, um, you know, just for the screen. Uh, and, and we come to, in my opinion, my personal, one of my favorite villains of all time across medium. Um, someone who has been played by about four to five different actors on screen. Countless others have voiced this guy in cartoons. He's been uh, written about since like the 50s in comic books. Um, I am talking about one of the more iconic visions of a character uh, of the Joker. Um, so I want to do something a little different. I don't want to just talk about like you know how oh this is good that was bad you know we've got um, you know we've got Heath Ledger we've got Jack Nicholson you've got um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix and uh, Jared Leto who you and I have talked about Jared Leto before in the past so you know how I feel we don't about need that. to anymore <laughs> yeah um, well no I want to a little bit about this because uh, okay. I have I have swaying feelings on that Joker but. You've got, you know, you've got Jack Nicholson who plays the gangster, you know, the old school gangster. You got Heath Ledger who plays basically the uh, the anarchist uh, uh, character. Um, you've got um, Heath Ledger. No, I just said that. You've got um, Jared Leto, whose character is a little bit more of like um, I don't Jim Carrey type. <laughs> kind of, but not really. He's, he's more like. The look, the feel—he's he, kind of a mobster almost, but he's—he's, he's, you know, not the same because that was Nicholson. And then you got at one point he goes honka honka. Yeah, like, I, I'm like, not what saying is he was written very well, um, but then you've got um, the latest uh, of Joaquin Phoenix, who has one of the more controversial uh, portrayals of this mm -hmm. character, who some say isn't even the same character, but it clearly is because the fucking Wayne's oh. in the damn movie. Um, so. It's, still Joker. He may be a precursor, but kind of, I want to ask you a couple questions, or, or talk about this first. Like, overall, like, what is, what are your thoughts of the, of this character, who throughout cinema, comic book, written word <laughs> history, has been one of the more, you know, loose-hinged, um, off-the-walls, psychotic, uh, um, serial killer, villains, one of the more truly villainous villains, evil villains uh, that's been portrayed on screen. How do you feel about this character coming to the screen? What do you, I'm what so do you flattered that you're, you're asking me first. I, I was actually going to, I was looking forward to hearing what you had to say because chaos. I mean, the whole thing is chaos. Everything about the character, and what a great you know thing that, that the dialogue was written for in, in Heath Ledger's Joker, because it, it all... The whole thing, his character and his, his portrayal, and and just it it like all of it kind of makes sense for Batman's number one villain. At the same time, it almost makes no sense. What a, a clown that is joking around the whole time for this super serious character that's very focused. You know, you could say it's the antithesis of him, so it works, but also it's, he's a clown just kind of laughing, and it almost takes you away from from the seriousness of it, but it keeps it very entertaining. It's, I, he is, it's the character of the Joker is, will forever be, till the end of my days, just this enigma. Like, if you, if you explain the Joker to me as a character, 
uh, and I had never seen Batman with the Joker, I would I would say that sounds kind of stupid. Yeah. Like that doesn't like that doesn't sound like it would be very good. And here we are. I, we can probably agree that arguably the most entertaining villain of all time is Heath Ledger's Joker, uh, and he will be talked about as long as Batman exists uh, in our culture. I I it's. I, you know, it's funny. Here we are. We're supposed to be breaking down these characters and see and talk about their their drives and, and their wants. And I almost, I've had more exposure to this character than maybe any of the other characters we've talked about today. And I don't think I fully understand him. And I think that's maybe why I part of why I find him so endearing. Yeah. I, we will see you and I will spend the rest of our days maybe trying to figure out the Joker and yeah. what he is about. I mean, you could say he's about chaos or he's about just messing with Batman or something like that. But it's, we, you know, we got kind of an origin story in Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Uh, and that was interesting. Uh, you could say that's not the Joker that we know, but he oh, still I is, agree but he is a Joker. He is one of them. And that, it's seeing what could possibly create a Joker uh, was a very, uh, very hard to watch, but very interesting nonetheless origin story of of a Joker. And maybe you could say that kind of ruins the the mystique of the Joker because that's part of what makes him who he is. But uh, that's man, what makes I, Heath Ledger's character who he is. Right. Well, sure. Uh, yes. Yes. And but I would say even you know we, we there's a name you left out because he wasn't in the movies, but uh, a, a Monsieur Mark Hamill portraying the Joker in, in Arkham video games and the animated series. I mean, you know, granted, I mean, a little cartoonish. He's the but, Joker for a generation, my friend. Sure. He's not to be written yeah. off. He was fantastic. I know. I think he's in some ways maybe the tr- the truest form, or the most the the most the, True the, the most Joker the most Jokeriest Joker <laughs> out of all of them. Well, uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. It's a it's a complicated character that we still it, in terms of our basic Joker we don't know a lot about, which maybe again a pl- works for him in his favor as a villain i think i think it does his version i think you're very right especially i mean heath ledger's is my favorite on screen by far um, sure well it's hard to say because i'm i'm i grew up with jack nicholson like that was my joker and and you know they're very different characters in my opinion uh, they're the same character but they're different versions of the same character and and you're right that's what makes him so versatile as a character is you can have these different versions of them and they'll all land in some way like there are people who love jared leto's joker and 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 fine to that i'm I'm, I'm okay with them i want them to love what they love i got no problem with that Uh, you know and and it has its place granted this is one of those situations this is like one of those um this is that warner brothers dc situation where that's not what was filmed like i will admit that i've read enough and seen enough and, and heard enough and uh, heard it from the horse's mouth and this that that is not the joker that was originally filmed that's not who he originally was with a little more context yeah maybe he would have been a little bit better of a character i wouldn't i don't mind that kind of joker i've seen it in the comics i've, I've enjoyed it in the comics it's it, it but you know it the way he talked did kind of bother me yes you know i'm not gonna hurt you i'm not gonna kill you i'm just gonna hurt you really really bad and i'm like that's just 
give me something, you know, like a little more. You didn't really. Oh, right to that. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of, you didn't land on anything. You just sort of, it just sounds like you're having problems talking because of the teeth in your mouth. Like it just, it, 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 I wanted more. So Jerry Leto off the table. I do want to put one more on the table that I forgot about was uh, Cesar Romero from uh, the 60s Batman, which ah, for, sure. for the time, like if you watch, he was an interesting character in that show. Batman was the most campy and funny and overactive character in that show, which is weird because you have the Joker, who's a fucking clown, who's literally yeah. <laughs> in makeup, who I took more seriously and, and didn't come off as clownish as Batman did in that series. Now, when I when I say this, because in the 50s and the 40s, when, when uh, Joker was originally drawn and created... Um, that's kind of what he was. That's what the character was at the time. So they they nailed the villains more in that than they did Batman because, obviously, Adam West. Um, but but I think it was a very good portrayal of the character at the time. And it, it obviously uh, the culture grew out of that. People needed more than just that like weird wacky Batman. I'm coming, you know, like weird shit. Yeah. Um, which we finally did get. In 1989, Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, Batman, um, who was a little bit darker, uh, a little bit more grounded. He was a little bit more of a real person. You know, something that they later would do in the Joaquin Phoenix movie was ground the character a little bit more um, and, and bring it back to, like, this is an origin. Which, you know, other than him being a gangster, like, it's funny because they've used the name... Um, I don't remember his name now that I've just thought about it, but yeah, the character they used in, the character that they used in in Batman uh, 1989 uh, has been used in the comics, and it was very similar to kind of what happens in the comics. But then what happened in Joaquin Phoenix's um, um, Joker was, was more true to kind of what happens to him. I want to say Batman Year One, or was it like? Uh, uh, um, he was, you know, when he was in the comics doing like the Red Hood, you know, kind of thing where he was a comedian and someone came mm. to him and they said, here, we can do a job. For, we have a job for you. We want you to do a thing, you know, um, put this Red Hood on. And back then it looked like the top half of a pill, like a capsule pill. Right. Uh, and he would have this cape and he looked stupid. And he was going and he, and he did a job. He was supposed to rob something. And then he ended up at Ace Chemicals and he fell into the vat. You know, so that was, it, it took parts of... Uh, the 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 comedian aspect of Joaquin Phoenix's character and um, the um, origin of like the other the comic book and they kind of meshed it together where he didn't fall into the vat of acid which was so iconic and so you know what drove the character mad in essence um, was that he survived all that and he was tortured and, and went crazy and all that stuff is they took that and made it more you know um, uh, grounded in, in in people and more realistic of someone going mad whereas Heath Ledger's character is this is timeless he, he is yeah. he's like um he's like a faceless you, you could be he could be anything just like in the sh in, in in those movies they Batman was what they needed him to be you know he wasn't what is it he's not the villain um, I never get wanted, it right. But it's the villain. He's, it's not the 
Uh, yeah, he's, whatever. He's, it's the one he deserved. I don't know. Nailed it. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. But it's essentially it's the same concept with Heath Ledger. He was the character they needed him to be because he could be. Because you know, each time they tell him, "Oh, you want to know how I got these scars?" You know, it, it's a different story. Um, it, it's Made so, sense it, that Michael Caine, uh, God, just talking about the philosophy of that character only added to the, the greatness of it. Some people just uh, want to make the world burn. Like it was so well, right, so, so poignant. Perfect. Well, it's like, well, well, you broke the rules first, sir. And then they, in their in their confusion, they turned to a man they didn't fully understand, and that is like. The perfect second villain for uh, this Batman established universe. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, just, it really, it's such a shame. It's so sad, uh, you know, um, that we don't get any more of that character because we would have. We, I know, we would have. He would have been back. He had to have been. They would have done more than three. Uh, it was How about you think so? Character. Or he would have cameo. Yeah. He would have had something. He, well, he would have. You know, I they mean, they brought every yes, other fucking no. villain into that fucking last one. Right. Well, Scarecrow I mean, was he w- right, and he was, I dare say, you know, well, maybe not, because he was so revered, but I was going to say, you know, he might have gotten that same sort of treatment where he was just kind of there for certain scenes. Uh, probably not, though. So yeah, because it, it was a better character than Scarecrow right. ever will be. Yeah. But, I mean, I would have loved to have seen him again. Yeah, it, it, and it really does kind of play, it, it, it to what you were saying to the very beginning of, of the last episode, uh, I think we talked about it, was um, a, a hero's only as good as the villain that he's up against. And, you know, Batman having some of the better rogues, Spider-Man having some good rogues, um, it, it, it elevated Batman. They're, they're dancing, and he's got a good dance partner. You know, exactly. that, that's really what it is. is, is Sad. Because it, it, you can see... Like, Superman, okay? I don't like Superman. There are very few instances on page that I even like Superman. I have a couple of the the issues, a couple of the trades that I think are cool. Some of them are, are better than others. I think when they make him more ethereal and more out, uh, less grounded on Earth. Anyway, like, he got Lex Luthor, which is the perfect villain for him when you really kind of think about it. Cause he's, a, he's a complex villain and Lex? an interesting one. Yeah, I think so, don't yeah. you? Oh, yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Um, I mean, if it wasn't for him, I don't know if Superman would, he, he would be even less interesting than he is. So, you know. Yeah, it, he would be, it would just be a big dude that can smash things. Um, right. But he forces Superman to become more than just a big unbeatable thing like he he makes superman have to be clever and have to think and right. use his brain and not just his muscles um uh, i guess that was kind of a bad example because but i still don't like but he's still not as interesting as as the villain which is i think he's overshadowed really? by lex i think lex is more oh, fascinating because lex is also one of those people who and it really does kind of go back to maybe not smallville uh, i think the lex in smallville was personally one of my huh. all-time favorites next to maybe gene hackman um but uh you know lex is is out to kind of try and better the world he really is but no one will listen to him um he he just has a bit more of an extremist way of going about it he's like a thanos in a sense you know he he's willing to sure. do what needs to be done Less for the greater thanos. good. yeah but it's for the greater good and when you really look at what he's trying to do a lot of it is is right i mean he loses his mind at times and he just goes full evil, and then my air conditioning kicks on in the background, and this is going to sound terrible. <laughs> um, but um, 
but you know, I, I don't give a fuck about Superman. Give me a Lex all day. Give me a Lex sure. movie. Just not. I, I like uh, not Superman Facebook as a villain uh, in, in Injustice. I think he makes more sense as a villain. It just, just everything about I, him just makes more sense personally. I hated that no, movie very much so. Um, Which wait, what? I'm talking about Injustice. Oh, Injustice, the the comic yeah. and the video game. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. No, he, he I think he's sense. good at a villain. Yeah. When Superman's evil, it's more fun. It makes it, just it, so much more sense. Like it's a, it seems like an inevitable outcome. Like he's just like, all right, I can't. This I is the only they, way to truly really control things. I, I think they did this uh, in an animated movie. Now I think it's Red Sun. Have you seen it? Uh, no, I've heard of it though. You should watch it. It's 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 like a what if? Uh, what if Superman landed in Russia, and had different values? And so it, it it's more of that kind of concept. So I, I would say watch that. I haven't I I haven't even read it myself personally. But it is revered as one of the better Superman stories out there. Um, I need to read it and then watch it. Um, but um, but yeah, back to Joker for a second here. So yeah. I, I mean, he's been God. We got so far off track. I don't even know where to, how to get back onto that character. <laughs> um, it's a hard thing to talk about. The Joker is. He's. It's not an easy. Th- you can't. You can't like you slap feels, many labels on him. You, you know, feel he's, bad for liking him. You know, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, a little bit. I, I don't, honestly. I don't I, at all. I mean, like, I any moment... Hoodie, you know, I don't <laughs> I, You know, any moment, he, you know, I... I mean, I came... How many times have you just, like, decided to watch just Joker scenes uh, in the Dark Knight? Uh, I, I, yeah. Many times. Like, I mean, well, he is... Are in IMAX anyway. He, ha- he has you 100% fixated. Uh, he is... I don't know. Uh, it's it's the original it's a, Joker movie. Yeah, it's but like instead of Joaquin Phoenix, that's that's the Joker movie. As you go watch, right? Dark yeah. Um, no. But I, I, it's weird. I guess Joaquin Phoenix's movie Joker makes me feel bad more. Makes me feel worse for liking the character as a whole. Not even just his character because it's different. But like as a whole, as a as a Joker fan, I feel a little worse for watching character after watching that movie because I'm like, wow, that's... Why would you give that character its own movie? You know, like, how... Like, He's a terrible human being, yeah. Yeah, horrible. And what he becomes is even worse. And now you're, it's like you're justifying it. But I think that was the controversy of it and what, what gave it its hype. And I think Joaquin did, don't get me wrong, was a phenomenal job in that movie. I think that whole movie without him, if any other actor wouldn't have succeeded at all, it would have come off as... Um, you know, someone trying to actually make the character likable, whereas he kind of did it. Where he's like, "No, this isn't a likable character. Like, I'm not right. supposed to be a good guy, a good person." It, it, Which, it was, what does that say about us? Like, we don't like the the person who's mentally ill, but we just do like the person who just loves to kill him. Well, I mean, he you know, driven I mean? the madness through other means. He wasn't. He didn't have a mental right. illness. That is someone that we that I would like to help. You know what I mean? Right. Like watching right. that movie, I'm like, I want to. Like, and it's fucked up because I watched um, Uncut Gems before, like, I think the week before that or, or after that, and then I watched The Joker, and I'm like, these are just really tense movies. Like, both I, movies. Like, and, and I didn't make it about, through Uncut Gems, dude. No, I, I was... 
it was too tense for me, man. I don't know. It wasn't Dude, bad or anything. The whole movie, I couldn't handle it. I was waiting for him to make a mistake or get shot or get hit face or just something fucking horrible to happen to him. He did. He got thrown in the trunk and got beat up. Yeah, the, but I was like started... waiting for something worse to happen the whole time. I'm like, you're just making terrible choices in life. Anyway, I thought he did great in my opinion. I thought he, was he did. He did do a great job. But uh, say what you will about the movie. Some people hated it. Some people loved it. I don't give a fuck. I liked it. Um, I couldn't tell you how I didn't finish. Um, you, should, you, you should finish it. It would. Uh, All right. Opinion, you know how I am. I will tell yeah, you to watch almost I know. anything. I should finish it, but I just I wasn't enjoying myself, you know? I was just like, oh, God, somebody I, put this guy out of his misery. I watched it in theaters, man. Like, I couldn't lose. Ugh, so I paid well, for that shit. That's probably the way I should have watched it, honestly. Yeah, yeah it was good. Um, man, I think we're coming to an end here. We've, we've gone another... <sighs> With I'm all of our out, technical man. difficulties, we have, we've gone like an hour and a half, I think, here on this, on this oh episode. Um, you know, it's funny. We I always used to say to you, we could talk about the Joker for hours. And now that we're finally faced with it, I'm just kind of like, he's amazing, but I don't know why. <laughs> he is an enigma. Like, well, I couldn't definitively say. I mean, yeah, sure. It really sure, is. But, like, I always thought I could talk about him for a long time, and I'm kind of realizing that I, I still have yet to I mean, read, read fully comics, form my opinion. Read the comics, yeah, and you will be able to talk about him for all time, because there's some... I could recommend some good ones of his stories. Anyway, um, you won't ever read them. Who the fuck is <laughs> sorry. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I am, so I am. Um... All right, sir. I mean, this is uh, this has been a pleasure. Obviously, we are going to do more. Uh, maybe one day we'll actually talk about uh, heroes and, and protagonists, but they're just boring yes. for the most. They're part. not as interesting. No, you know, it's, most of the time they're just they're kind of the same. There's not as much variety. If I asked you right now, give me like a, a very interesting, complex hero uh, and a protagonist. Doesn't even have to be a superhero. Would you be able to think of someone on the spot? No. Yeah, and th- that's how much more a, a villain will resonate with you. you yeah. Know? Like, I guess you could say maybe. I mean, maybe Iron Man because yeah, because of, of the character because arc. Of like, right, and Robert Downey Jr. being like kind of like a real life version of it too. You know, like his redemption story as well as Iron Man's. Uh, but Captain America's boring. Yeah, know, like it's, he is. You know, like I mean. I mean, it's hard for me not to say comic book. You know, you could say Edward Norton, the reluctant hero, just not really wanting to be one. He's just kind of a guy who turns into someone else entirely. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know. a human? What are you talking about here? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. You know, the Hulk is what I meant. Um Bruce Banner. Well, actually, uh, but if, I, if you say Edward Norton, there's an interesting character right there. That's a character <laughs> arc. Um, uh, American History X. Oh well, like that's that's an interesting character, and I, he's both yeah, antagonist definitely. and protagonist. Definitely. You know, yeah. you'd have to go to like Zuko to find someone as fascinating who becomes right. a protagonist to be able to find something that's super fascinating. Now, if I'm going to go like, you know, Spider-Man, sure, if it's the comic books. But, like, you don't get that depth in the movies. I love him. But it's, like, I love him because, you know, he's funny and quippy and and, and I related to him as a kid. You know, some nerdy kid who got picked on in high, in school. That was me. You know, so, like, of course I'm going to read this. But, like, Wolverine? 
uh, again, I can't think of anyone outside of right, it's all, superheroes yeah, yeah. who are it's a fascinating, good person in a movie. Maybe Andy Dufresne. Ah, you beat me but to we, it by one second. Yeah, we, we've talked about it. You know, he's, he's a good person. Yeah. He's an interesting character. Well, he, he's a much more like. I mean, he's he's you know, uh, what, what's what's the actor's name? Some, I can't remember. Um, yes, uh, he he. I think he does do his duty and portray him as kind of an, a weird person, but he's a little more endearing than I think the character was. Uh, meant to be he was meant to be even more standoffish and more unlikable but ultimately by oh, the end super likable yeah he's very likable in the movie he's and he's a not, really tall cuddly teddy bear at that point right but he's really not supposed to be he's supposed to be kind of viewed as like you know this kind of standoffish you know person who ultimately is uh justified in his attempt to prove he was uh was he was framed, and that that was unclear in the movie, but he was definitively oh, it was framed. Great. It was clear that he was framed. Was it? I I feel like it was just we were. Yeah, okay, it was, I guess an, so. it was like an accidental framing. Yeah, uh, but in the book, it was kind of like we were wondering, you know, was was this guy really capable of that? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really clear until later. Anyway, but you're right; that's, it is hard to come up with a with a hero. That's a, that's our homework. Come up with, and I'm not going to okay. shoot you a list. I'm going to uh, come yeah. up with like five. Five yeah, good if that. heroes, good protagonists. Interesting, complex. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and good, we'll, we'll good, talk yeah. about that next time and, and see if we can come up with something interesting to, to sink our teeth into. Um, I like it. Other than that, thank you as always for coming on. It's, it's, it's a pleasure. Um, thank you, man. I'm um, glad we got to finally have it out. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll probably <laughs> hit you up to play some video games in a few days. Um, <laughs> cool. So, you know... Um, as always, it's been a blast. I'll talk to you next time. All right, man. Until next time. All right, brother. Take care.